Well, here we are again, Samuel Chisichetti. This is Q&A with yes. uh, Samuel Chisichetti from <laughs> Arc Church and Alita Robinson. And we've had a very exciting journey uh, through the Ten Commandments. And last week, yes. we were talking about the year of Jubilee. And I yeah. found something really exciting while now, I was reading on. Before, because you, before, you, before <laughs> you move forward, yeah. actually, we haven't started talking about Jubilee yet. We're still talking about the sabbatical year. Sixth year, then seventh year is the Sabbath. Jubilee is fiftieth year. Oh so yes, just, just there. So that that's right. That's it, right. That's right. Yep. No, I thank you for correcting me. This was the Sabbath year, and, and because I was thinking, you know, you've got this whole year where you're not planting anything, but then you've got another yep. year where you're planting, and then so you've got to wait for the season to finish. So you've in fact yep. got two years where there's no real food around other than sort of what you've scrounged. Um, but then yeah. in Leviticus, look what it says. Yeah. Can I read it to you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it, go for it. So it says here, follow my decrees and be careful. So we're starting at verse 18 in Leviticus 25. Follow 25, my decrees yes. and be careful to obey my laws and you will live safely in the land. Then the land will yield its fruit and you will eat your fill and live there with, in safety. You may ask, mm. What will we eat in the seventh year if we do not plant or harvest our crops? <laughs> I will send you such a blessing in the sixth year. So this is the year before that the land will yield enough for three years. While yes. you plant during this eighth year, you will eat from the old crop and will continue to eat from it until the harvest of the ninth year comes in. How amazing is that? That's right. Oh, that was so now, exciting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have indeed uncovered, you remember last week we did the three points on the sabbatical year, mm. and you have just gone and uncovered my point four of the sabbatical year. There you go. Because remember, <laughs> that's why you had me chuckling as, mm -hmm. as you're reading it. I'm like, right, you know, you hit it on the head right there. You know, you remember I said that the psychological abuse of slave mindset is a scarcity. Yes. Oh, we're going to run out. We're yes. going to run out. Yes. Do, do, do you? <laughs> I can guarantee you people can live with, uh, in abundance yet have a scarcity mindset. Yes. You, you remember during the COVID, uh, uh, when COVID started, when uh, people had to run and fight over toilet paper. Toilet paper. Uh, yes. How Once scarcity is the mindset, people then they start to, this is where our anxieties come from, yes. our worries and anxieties. You know, Jesus used to say, why do you worry? Why do you worry? Can I, can I, I did um, in, in recent years, you know, we did all those recording on Facebook Live, and I came, we came to the sort of two years anniversary of one of our recording, and it came up, it was about how to deal with anxiety. And I'm like, oh, I'd actually approach this topic because somebody asked the question. Yes. And you find that there are there are two, two fundamental uh, or three fundamental types of anxiety. Number one is existential anxiety. Who am I? My sense of identity. You know, where do I fit? Yeah. The second one is social anxiety, right? Social mm -hmm. anxiety. Am I going to be accepted by people? Where do I rank? You know, do people going to love me? And the third one is what? economic anxiety mm. those basically are the three fundamental type of anxieties people have got existential uh social and economic anxiety yeah. so 
um, you notice, therefore, here that when you start to talk about the liberation, the freedom that one gets from uh, the law of Sabbath, is that the freedom is total, is a, basically a total freedom. Now, once we start to talk about something like, hang on a minute, uh, their economic anxiety come up, you know, the psychological abuse of the scarcity mindset. Uh, yeah. Hang on a minute, uh, Samuel, if you're saying that we we have to, you know, uh, leave the land untoiled, uh, uh, not worked on mm. for an entire year, the seventh year, because the Sabbath year. Yeah. And okay, we collected the harvest for the sixth year, fine. On the seventh year, we just eat whatever is coming in the, in the field. What are we going to do on the eighth year? Yeah. Because exactly. on the eighth year, you st- yeah. Well, you that was my question. That's, that's what yeah. I was looking for, an answer to that question, and I found it. Awesome. And suddenly you find yeah. God tells you, mm. when you work on the sixth year, if you intentionally had made up your mind, I will observe the Sabbath, on the sixth year, he gives you the yield for three years. Yeah, yeah. So that you have what to eat for that year, and year number seven, and then year number eight, as you start to plow, you still got enough for an entire year, so that in year nine, when you start to harvest, all and everything flows. You still have leftover. Yeah. So you know why the Lord said it like this? Because it's another point that people need to add to the list of points that I had added to the Sabbath, because Sabbath is our declaration of dependency and trust to the Lord. Yeah. The person who look at our societal system right now, our economic system doesn't trust in God. No, we we went economically atheistic already. Mm. We were already atheist economically. People are starting to catch up to becoming atheist theologically, but we were already atheist economically. Like I actually think the American system has still got what is called Thanksgiving. Mm. Thanksgiving was the after the harvest, people come together. You know, in America, they kill their turkey, you know. The yeah. president get to do the pardoning the turkey, which is one of a weird tradition. But anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> so they come together to thank God for the yield. Yeah. And that's on a small scale, on a year-to-year basis. But if you well, could then... Yeah, I remember as a child, I mean, I, I was brought up in the Reformed Church, as you know, we used to have Harvest Sunday. And, and yeah. I know that uh, at the front of the church we had, because uh, we had quite a few people in you know, the dairy industry and that sort of stuff around yeah. Daninong, um, and there were sheaths of wheat and there was, um, there was milk and there was food and things like mm. that, that that was all at the front of the church. And we had a great celebration on what we called Harvest Sunday and that was That's to right. thank God for the harvest and for the provision yeah. for, um, for you know, our daily needs. So that was something mm. that I remember doing as a child, but I haven't That's done that right. for a long time. That doesn't seem to be yeah. that many churches anymore. No, no. Mm. So we have to actually get back to instituting these things. And you can imagine our rebelliousness. The reason why God had to institute, if you don't do it, you get killed. Mm. Because the domino is, think about it. If we instituted our church that, you know, every seventh year, everybody doesn't do any work. You don't, you don't go do your work business. You got to rely and trust in God that is going to provide. How many people will? Well, people don't have fields, do they? I mean, you can barely get a, a veggie garden in the back of your garden nowadays. You've got a pocket handkerchief block and a great big house, so you can't really plant yeah. it in your lounge room, can you? We, we do yeah, live in a different life 
But that's not just It's a different. Could you believe God for Him to increase your income in the sixth year that you can go for the all seven year and the eight year without having to work? Oh, that there's toil. an idea. Yeah, there's an idea. Mm. <laughs> Hadn't thought so, of it that way. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So the point I'm making is the setup of the Sabbath was to continually increase the faith of the people that God is our provider, not yeah. the strength of our own arms. Mm. You know, there's, when you read Deuteronomy chapter 8, uh, uh, I think I think it's 8.18 or 18.8, um, I think it's 818, where the Lord says, when you enter the land, when you prosper, when you build houses, make sure that you don't tell yourself that it is the strength of your arms that have brought you this prosperity. Because mm. this is the Lord who gives you, you know, the power, the blessing to get well. So well, we didn't, have, he, what, didn't he say to, to, to the Israelites when they went into, the, into Canaan that, you know, they didn't toil to build the houses and that they would be, the crops were already planted in the field and they, they re- really basically had everything set up before they, uh, when, when they entered the land, when they took yeah. possession so, of the land? That's right. When they mm-hmm. got into the remember when the, the slaves, the, uh, the spies went in, yeah. they found the land, they said, oh, wow, the, the grapes are huge in that land. Yeah. The people who live there are giant. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, those people wouldn't have been giant because they, because they were starving, hungry. No. They were giant because they used to eat really well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The breed of Canaanites, right? Yeah. So, I, I'm, I'm therefore making the point that point number four of the sabbatical year uh, was to increase the trust in God. But let me, and so it basically heals you from the, you know, scarcity poverty mindset. Yeah, I, I want to um, you know, give, give one more point before um, I, I, I go forward. See, the that particular year was a year to reflect on what mattered most. Mm-hmm. Now, let me leave that point on the side. It was a, a year that had a particular spiritual exercise. There were particular reading of scripture that were recommended to be read in that year. Open Deuteronomy chapter 31 with me, and we're going to read verse 10 uh, to verse 13 um, as we, we're finishing this first segment. 10 to 13? Yeah, so Deuteronomy 31, we're reading verse 10 to verse 13. Let's start to read from verse 9. It's wrong. So Moses wrote down, this law and gave it to the priest and the sons of Levi who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord and to all the elders of Israel. Then Moses commanded them at the end of every seven years in the year for canceling debt. We'll talk about that in a moment. During the feast of tabernacle, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose, you shall read this law before them in their hearing. Yeah. So all the law that he had offered them all the way, he said, when you come together, guess what you do? You commit to the reading of scripture. Mm. Could you imagine the increase and the growth 
spiritual growth of the people as they commit an entire year of reading and studying scripture. Mm. Because the seventh year was a year to heal the spirituality as well. So remember, I did say it was a welfare, psychological welfare. Yeah. It was a spiritual welfare. So with the psychological welfare, I've talked mostly about the economic scarcity mindset, the damage yeah. to our psyches. That no, we're going to be worried. We're going to be worried. We, we're going to run out. We're going to run out. And the Lord's like, you won't because I am your soul. Yeah. You're going to be healed from your psychological predisposition that there is a scarcity of resources. All right. Well, I think that there's, um, <laughs> there's the next step that we're going to go to just after this break. So we'll, uh, we'll take a little break for the moment and we'll come back in a few minutes' time. Hallelujah Doesn't mean that much to me The things I tell you Who shocked the least of these King of sinners I've been crowned Maybe that proves I'm at the bottom With nothing left to lose I've heard your story how you died there on a tree, I gotta tell you I'm not sure that I believe, but still I've come And I'm here just as I am, I hope you take me A broken-hearted man If you are not a stranger to sorrow you can understand all my pain Then give me strength for today and for tomorrow And eyes to see the glory of the coming of the Lord Give me eyes to see the glory of the coming of the Lord Forgiveness Now that means something for sure most my life I've been trying to even up the score A herder, bridge burner Out looking for a war But a man who's been forgiven Doesn't need that anymore If you're not a stranger to sorrow If you can understand all my then give me strength for today and for tomorrow And eyes to see the glory of the coming of the Lord Oh, eyes to see the glory of the coming of the Lord Oh, glory, glory, hallelujah Glory, glory, hallelujah the glory of the coming of the Lord. Oh, glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Oh, glory, glory, hallelujah. Give me 
You are not a stranger to sorrow You can understand all my pain You give me strength for today for tomorrow And eyes to see the glory of the coming of the Lord Eyes to see the glory of the coming of the Lord Give me eyes to see the glory of the coming of the Lord You're listening to 105.1 Life FM, Benigo's Positive Choice and we are still talking about the Ten Commandments and we're still talking about the Sabbath. We've sort of gone into uh, the whole thing about the Sabbath year and uh, we're mm. heading into some other exciting things that God put in place so that mm. he could be looking after the welfare of his people. That's right. Now, so remember, we've come all the way to point number five, uh, which we were, uh, before we, we took the break, to say that it was a way to heal or to reconnect again with the Lord spiritually by the reading of the law. And we gave yeah. Deuteronomy chapter 31 there. Now, the point number six is that the sabbatical year was a year of providing special benefit to the poor. Okay. You see, we've already made this point because it was, you know, the gleaning, you know, you know the gleaning process, yeah? The gleaning yeah. process that you find being mentioned in the book of um, Ruth, the story of Naomi and Ruth and Ruth going to glean. You know, the people who were harvesting could have chosen, the workers could have chosen to not leave as much behind. Yeah. So the poor, every year, they were getting, but not getting as, as abundantly to be able to actually really eat, depending on which field you were gleaning in. Mm. So the Lord had given that as an instruction, but the workers could determine how much the poor could get right? Yeah. Every year, every harvest. But when you get to the seventh year, the pool would go into the field and, and gather like in, a, in an unlimited way. They were not gathering with scarcity of resources mindset, but they could gather because it was there. The Lord had brought about all the seed that were in the ground have come up and so they can just simply pick up as much and go and eat and be satisfied. Yeah. So God set the seventh year as a way of giving to the welfare, physical and psychological welfare of the poor. You know, when you are poor, and nobody likes to be a beggar, right? No. When you're gleaning in the field, you basically, it's, it's a type of begging. Yeah. And so you've got to wait until the workers are like, oh, here's a little bit. Here's a. Do you remember the story of Ruth and Boaz? Uh, Boaz had to say to the workers, hey, leave, you know, a sizable amount because he, he had his attention on Ruth, right? Yes. And so you can see, therefore, in that mindset that, uh, you know, in the, in the seventh year, people just walk in these fields and there were a lot. The, you know, remember, the, the, the owner of the field had a three years worth of yield in six years. Yes. So in reality, they didn't need to go in the field themselves. No. So the oh, pool. That's true. Would, yes. That's right. Mm. So the pool could go in there and just get as much as they could eat for that year, they could get fattened up a little bit, right? Mm, yeah. Right. So, so you can see that it, it heals the psychological, uh, you know, um, state of the poor, including their social state as well. Mm. You know? And so 
And then they have the, the chance to go and listen to scripture. They knew that God cared about them and they physically were well off and which would therefore, you know, give to them a certain moral worth. Why? Because they didn't have to go and steal. They knew that there was an entire field there, uh, you know, and there were fields of all sorts of, you know, crops from vineyards to all types of crops that they could go and get from. Yes, so, so they wouldn't be going just to the one field either, would they? Because there were no. different people would be growing different things, so they That's would be right. going from field to field. Yeah. That's right. So they would be morally, see, people, people steal for hunger. Mm. Now, there are people who are wealthy, they steal because they're greedy. But at least you can see the poor, you know, they don't have to go and beg, they didn't have to go and steal from anyone because they could just simply go and get enough food in the field because the Lord had provided for them too. Yeah. That's the law of Sabbath. So, well, that was point number uh, six, point number seven. The seventh year sabbatical was a way to cancel people's debt. Right. Because that's, that's happened, and I'll open up to how did that happen in those, in those years. But let's open Deuteronomy chapter 15. Deuteronomy 15. I'm telling you, God, uh, yes, Deuteronomy yeah. 15, we're reading the first three verses. Okay. We have ignored the law of Sabbath to our own detriment. Let's, let's read that one, um, Deuteronomy 15 from verse 1. At the end of every seven years, you must counsel, you must yep. counsel debts. This is how it is to be done. Every creditor shall counsel the loan he has made to his fellow Israelite. He shall not require payment from his fellow Israelite or brother because the Lord's time for cancelling debt has been proclaimed. Mm. Now, he may require payment from a foreigner, but you must cancel any debt of any of your brother that he owes you. However, there should be no poor among you. For in the land of the Lord your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance, he will richly bless you if only you fully obey the law, the Lord your God, and are careful to follow all his commands I'm giving you today. You see that? Yeah. So, in the seventh year, the, the, the foreigner will still be owing, but children of Israel will have no debt. Right. Debt council. Just like that. Mm -hmm. Now, how did people get in the debt? I, I, so I was reading, um, I was reading an interesting uh, article. Uh, let's see if I can uh, quickly find the article I was reading only recently. Um, do, 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 do. Uh, Lord, help me to find it. Okay, and this applies to the jubilee as well. So, when you we were reading the text, we read in Leviticus twenty-five. Yeah. Uh, you know, it ordained sub Sabbath year, one every seven years. So we've, we've, we've read that one. Mm -hmm. um, it was sort of th this particular article. Uh, let me say, just to give credit to, uh, credit, uh, to, to the right who credit is to. Yeah. That's right. That's right. If I can find. Um, so it, it's produced by um, Theology of Works um, Project. Um, so. Uh, they they have they have sort of written written quite extensively on this. It's a Bible commentary produced by Theology of Works. Mm -hmm. um, so 
This process of debt cancellation was to sanctify Israel's internal economy. In the Sabbath year, its field was to lie uh, follow, which appears to be a sound agricultural practice. Now, so if you let the land sit there and rest, you get sort of, you know, more extra nutrients and stuff like that. Let's look at uh, the protection of, of destitute. After Israel conquered Canaan, the land was assigned to each clan and its family. And the scribes in number chapter 26 and Joshua chapter 15 uh, tells us how Joshua basically did that, 15 to 22. This land was never to be sold in perpetuity, for it belonged to the Lord. Leviticus chapter um, 25, mm-hmm. verse 23 and 24, yeah. the Lord established it very, very clearly that the land belonged to him. So nobody, like for example, you look at our system of uh, economic system right now, it's built on property ownership, land ownership. And if you own the land, you own your land for as long as, you know, I'm actually finding it quite interesting that when you pay your mortgage, uh, at the end of the day, you really actually really don't own that land. You're still paying rates on it. Um, but you know, that's aside, the land was di- divvied up uh, to the children of Israel so that everybody, at least every family, every clan will have their own land. Now, there were three stages that are depicted in the book of Leviticus where a person could become poor. Okay? A person could become poor. And these uh, are sort of understood within the sort of farmer's framework. Mm-hmm. Let's say you've got a farmer who borrowed money to buy seed but did not harvest enough to repay the loan, right? Yeah. So you buy seed, but that particular year didn't rain enough, you didn't harvest enough to be able to pay, so therefore must sell some of their land to the buyer in order to cover for the debt and buy seed for the next planting season, All right. right? Yeah. And that's how farmers often end up in debt. Now, right now, in this day and age, you know, the farmers goes to the bank, and borrows have to be charged interest. But what they did then was to lease the land. So the selling was leasing the land. Yeah. Right? So if the person, uh, uh, if there was a person who belonged to the farmer's clan, who wished to act as a redeemer, he could therefore pay the buyer according to the number of remaining annual crops until the seventh year or the jubilee year when it comes to then reverting the land back to the farmer. So you could do, the farmer would sell the land and then the land would be owned by the person that he owed the money to. So then the farmer is in debt, he's lost his land. That's the first stage. So he's in debt and is poor from having lost a portion of his land. Let's say that having borrowed again the next year and the next year, the yield is not good enough. So you can imagine second stage sells more land. Now it's got very little portion of land that is even going to be harder for him to build, to have enough yield to pay the debt of the first borrowing and the second borrowing. Yeah. And then feed his family as well. That's right. Mm. And if you get to the third, uh, if, if he's bold enough to borrow again and he doesn't get a yield, 
his entire land is gone. Yeah. So what happens then, the person found themselves poor. Mm. They have lost the means of production. Yeah. So now that they've lost the means of production, they, what they do is they sell themselves into workers. It's like the word slavery there is called a bond servant. Yeah. So you go and work for your debtors now. It's on your land. You're basically working off the debt then, aren't you? That's right. Mm. It's your land, but now you're working for the person who gave you the money. Now it's them who are now getting the yield. Yeah. The benefit is theirs. And mm. you get paid a wage. Now, during that time you get paid a wage, you can continue to pay their debt. So you work for them, you pay their debt slowly, slowly, and you're feeding your family until the seventh year arrives. Yeah. Now your debt is cancelled. Yeah. All right? Yeah. So your debt is fully cancelled. Okay. And it was, it was a day, think about it, if somebody used to own a land, went in a debt like that, and then became poor, but there were no possibility to redeem their land. They found themselves destitute for a long time. They would find so, themselves destitute. Yeah. That's right. We pause that one and then we... We, we right. come into it. All right. <laughs> well, we'll we'll come back and talk to that uh, just mm. a little bit more after this break.
You're listening to 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice. And Samuel, we were talking about um, the debt cancellation that happens um, in, in the seventh, the seventh year. year um, yeah. this, this year of um, Sabbath. The Sabbath. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's so right. That, that's a, so, another interesting level, isn't it? Another layer of what God has provided for the people of Israel, de uh, depending right. what hard times might have befallen some people as they're that's right as they're that's working right. and and trying to make ends meet. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you can you can see that this is why even the sale of the land was not permanent. Why? Because people's your know, economic and social status affect their psychology. It does. Yeah. And if it affects their psychology, it ends up affecting their spirituality as well. And so look at us. We've got now a society divided between the haves and the haves not, and yeah. the have not. And you know that the people who have will always look down on those who don't. Yeah. That's just how it is. It's human nature. You know, uh, James, James, uh, the Apostle James writing in the New Testament even said that ch the church of God had adopted that attitude where People who are wealthy come in and they're nicely well-dressed up and they get given the places of honor. We just yeah. do that. Yeah. What do you think the poor are going, to, are, are going to feel when they come to church? You think they're going to come? Mm. If you notice, just, just as an aside, you know, when, when, at our church, one, one of the features that people find in our church uh, is that, you know, people who come from the street, you know, yes. they may not look glamorous, they... The, the, these people, we look after them. They are God's people. They are valuable. It doesn't matter. I don't care whether somebody's got driving a Maserati and somebody is come just out from the street and is wearing rags. Mm. It is not the acquisition of wealth that determines human worth. No. And yet that's how our society looks at it right now. Yeah, that's exactly right. So our economic system has installed this Social, uh, you know, so, the, the social gap, psychological gap, it's the economic gap. You know, people ask the question, how much are you worth, you know? Yeah. So God had to always reset that, reset this to avoid this kind of abuse mm -hmm. when it happens. Yeah. He do it every seven year and every 50 year. Yeah. And so the law of Sabbath basically is a law of protection for God's people. Mm -hmm. Because this is how God dealt with the poor. Yeah. And so, in, in a sense, people, if, if, you know, in, in the days of, of Jesus, uh, people started to, you know, the, the, the rich uh, would say, well, uh, I'm not going to lend you money when, um, you know, when it's, we're getting to the seventh year, why should I lend you some money? Because I'm going to probably lose it, right? Yes. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm going to lose it. So what the Jews did then uh, through one of the rabbi who was the most respected at the time, Hillel, uh, Hillel uh, had argued uh, to set a system of public funds so that people can actually borrow from that public fund. So the borrowing was from public funds, was set as a, a, a method of financial institution. When you read, um, you know, uh, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus addressing this question, um, verse 35, you know, uh, he was admonishing people who had walked away from the ways of God, who always continue to lend with the intention that we lend you so that we can get something back in return. Mm -hmm. Jesus like, that's no righteousness. If you read Luke chapter 6, uh, verse... Are you going there, are you? Yes, yep. 635. 
Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to read it, um, you know, in context. Let's read from verse 30, 30. The apostle gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going, that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Jesus believed in a, in a principle rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat uh, uh, to a solitary place. Verse 33. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there uh, uh, had gotten them already. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Mm. So he began teaching them many things. Verse 35. But this time it was late. Am I reading? Oh, what am I reading? I'm not reading Luke. I'm reading Mark. I was going to say, like, I, I couldn't find you in Luke, so I was wondering where you were. <laughs> Could you point it out? That'd be good. All right. Um, so it's it's Luke thirty five. Let's just simply, since we've already read a big chunk of Mark, uh, Luke, Luke six, Luke six, six thirty five. Yeah, yeah. So it's sort of the, the commandment of love, love for enemies uh, that Jesus is, is setting out. It goes, but you of your enemies, do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High God, because He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Now you notice that very often in Jewish teaching, they will always take take the extreme case to show you that all the rest, the reasonable one, is included. So when He says. You know, lend to your enemy without expecting them to repay. Yes. For people who would be struggling to <clears throat> lend to even the poor among them, who, this is why Hillel had set up the system of, let's have a public fund so that people can go and borrow from there. Because all the people who are wealthy are struggling to lend to uh, the brothers, especially if the seventh year is coming around. Because greed is just simply, you know, a way... Uh, people uh, would uh, respond when they start to feel like scarcity is coming. Mm. Uh, Or I may, you know, give a privilege to somebody who may have made terrible decisions. You see, people didn't just become poor because the weather didn't turn up all right. Sometimes people made bad decisions. So, and people go, well, I'm going to punish you for that. But God said, don't. Because I don't want anybody to be poor in in the land. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because it does say, but love your enemies and do good to them. Because the verse before, and if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, that credit is, uh, what credit is that to you? Even sinners sinners expecting to be repaid in full. That's right. But love your enemies. So it doesn't even say that, you know, love your fellow Israelites and do good to them. It says love your enemies. So God's taken it up a level, hasn't it? He's given everybody a a higher bar to attain to. That's right. That's Mm. right. Now, you will notice, as I'm saying, point point, uh, point number seven, uh, it it was not natural for people to observe the law of Sabbath. 
That's why it's not natural for us now. People just didn't. Uh, And so, but when you read through scripture, you find out that there are places where the Bible tells you that people actually did. Um, But when people did not, you know, they got the punishment. The Lord actually used to force people. I need to find that text. I was reading it. Um, um, You know, the Lord used to punish uh, people by sending them into exile Mm. to force the Sabbath of the land on the land. Let me let me open this text in in a chron- first chronicle, second second chronicle, to the portion of second chronicle, uh, chapter thirty six. It's a book of chronicles, second chronicle, chapter thirty six. We're looking. Are you at. in the right one this time? <laughs> <laughs> right, second chronicles thirty six. Uh, what thirty six? Uh, we're reading uh, verse twenty, verse twenty one. Okay, so very quickly. Um, it's basically, it tells you the story of the fall of, of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's just give it some context. Uh, from 15, then the Lord, uh, the Lord, the God of the fathers sent word to them through the messengers um, again and again because he had pity on his people and on his dwelling place, but they mocked God's messenger despised his word and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord was aroused against his people and there was no remedy. He brought up against them the king of Babylonians who killed their young young men with the sword in the sanctuary and spared neither young men nor young women, old or uh, old men or aged, God handed all of them over to Nebuchadnezzar. He carried uh, uh, to Babylon all the articles from the temple of God, both large and small, and the treasure of the Lord's temple and the treasure of the king and his officials. Verse 19, they he set fire to God's temple and broke down the walls of Jerusalem. They burned all of the palaces and destroyed everything of value. He carried into exile to Babylon the remnant who escaped from the sword and they became servant to him and his sons. The land enjoyed its Sabbath rest all the time of its desolation. It rested until the 70 years were completed in fulfillment of the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. It is interesting that when they did not observe, I was going to find it actually in Leviticus chapter 26, if I am not mistaken, the Lord said, if you do not observe the Sabbath of the land, I will punish you. You will go into exile so that I will give to the land the rest. Yes, well, God created the world and he knew what it needed. And uh, obviously, we uh, well, we can see what's been ravaged in the land now as we've That's been right. using that sort of stuff, and people are using that yep. against us. All right, well, you're um, you're going. <laughs> we're going to have to pursue that in a few minutes, and we will come back and uh, and you'll yes, you'll just sort of put it all together for us, Samuel. I'm really interested in what you've got to say. We'll yeah. be back in a few moments. Life is 
more than simply chasing after things I think I need. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. Every day I slave and search for what will make me be okay. There's only one thing. There's only one thing. There's only one thing. listening to 105.1 Life FM, Benigo's Positive Choice and Samuel, you've got a few points left that you wanted to talk about on the the whole thing about uh, the Sabbath of the land. Uh, So Mm. I'll let you continue. Now, if you, I was sort of, I gave you that text in Chronicle and I want to back it up with uh, the text in Leviticus. Uh, If you look at Leviticus 26 and if you start from verse 14, it tells you punishment for disobedience. So if you don't listen if you don't obey my commands and stuff and so on and so forth. But it's verse 32 that I am interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's read from verse 31. I will turn your cities into ruin 
and lay waste your sanctuaries, and I will take no delight in the pleasing aroma of your offering. Verse 32, I will lay waste the land so that your enemies who live there will be appalled. I will scatter you among the nations and will draw out my sword and pursue you. Your land will be laid west and your cities will lie in ruin. Then, verse 34, the land will enjoy its Sabbath years all the time that it lies desolate. You are in the country of your enemies. Then the land will rest and enjoy its Sabbath. All the time that it lies desolate, the land will have the rest it did not have during the Sabbaths you lived in it. Mm. You see, so when they did not obey the Sabbath, it tells you, Sabbaths were not often observed, especially the sabbatical years. And if they didn't obey it, God said, all right, no problems. I'll, I'll make sure that you're taken out of it because it got, the, the law of Sabbath is so important to God because it's the welfare of his people. These people, so long they stay slaves in their minds, they will mess up the system. This is where greed will come in. This is the mistreatment of people will come in. If they don't pause to enjoy the Sabbath, if they don't give the land the rest, if they don't obey the laws of the, the gap, the wealth gap will continue to increase, right? Mm. So there will be people who are extremely rich and the rest who are extremely poor. That's what we've ended up with. And this is an abhorrent thing to God. The Lord actually abhorred the fact that the land where his name is invoked has got poor people in it. But it's not only that. I mean, it, it, it's like the land needs its rest for its own welfare as well. It's like, That's like right. the, earth, the earth needs that time to not have all the you know, nutrients and everything else uh, taken out of it. Depleted. For the, for, depleted. And, and so that's it gives, right. gives the earth that time. And it's interesting, isn't it, because um, that's what's happening all around the world where mm. land has been overproduced or overgrazed or over, you know, as people want more and more and more and more. Um, yeah. We are seeing that desolation um, happening all around the world because we've mismanaged that's right. The earth and not done the welfare of the earth as much as we needed to do as well as the welfare of ourselves. That's right. That's mm. right. So you can see there that from that basically lack of obser obser observance of the Sabbath uh, breaks the spiritual order. It breaks the psychological order. It breaks the social order. It breaks the land. It breaks even the welfare of the animals. The law of the Sabbath is an, an extremely important law among the Ten Commandments that the, the Lord had given to the children of Israel. Yeah. So, therefore, uh, you know, uh, point uh, point number number eight there was that you know lack of observance of the Sabbath brings upon those who don't observe uh, the rest of the Lord in a place of disarray. Mm. Disarray. Now, so number nine. The Sabbath always gave the people the time to pause and to be able to ponder on what matters. Yeah. Now, that's a point that can be made very quickly. You know, God matters. Our family matters. Uh, you know, our social order matters. You know, when you pause, then you can take the time to reflect. The people who don't pause, 
and to take to observe the law of Sabbath, they can start to use human beings as a means to an end. Mm. You see, uh, one of the things that you find today, uh, which is basically the, the, the moral decay of our economic system, is that just people care about the bottom line. That's it. Yeah. yeah. That's it. So, you know, one of my heroes uh, used to say, you know, you, you, you don't use people to get wealth. You don't. Mm. You know, you care about people. In fact, the more you care about people, the more you get the best of them. There's that principle of, you know, uh, goose and golden eggs. Yeah. It's been only recently as that people start to think that the welfare of their workers matter. But this is actually not a very well-respected principle across, across, across the board. You know why? I think the way to solve that, if, if there was, if the Sabbath was respected, then we would ponder and, and, and think about what matters the most. Yeah. So, uh, having uh, made those points, I want to say that Sabbath is extremely important to the Lord. Yes. And since it matters to the Lord, it must matter to his people. Mm. That's right. That's right. So let's bring this all together to say, you know, I remember uh, what, what I said when we started the series, you know, Sabbath was to enjoy creativity. It, the law of Sabbath was to affirm freedom. It is the law of rest and it is the law of welfare. Mm. Spiritual, psychological, uh, uh, moral uh, welfare, physical welfare of not only the individual, uh, the welfare of the family, the welfare of our society, the welfare of the land, the welfare of our animal, and if you will, the entire economic welfare of the people. So when you start to look at it, as I said, I will argue the case of what a good economic system based on uh, the sabbatical laws would look like. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, we're no longer working based on the farming um, uh, principles, but we're still working. So what I would encourage uh, children of God and believers is to say, ponder on how can you incorporate the law of Sabbath in what you do. Now, you may be a worker and your working hours is determined by your employer, but if you're a business owner and you start by being intentional about observing the Sabbath, you will see that God will tremendously, tremendously bless you. Remember that 60-year, three-year yield? Yeah. I believe that that principle, God is faithful, he hasn't changed. So do you think if people are, are needing to be employed, say, on a weekend, that um, that if they are then able to make a, a Sabbath day another day of the week, that that would be something that would be acceptable, or is that not really what we're talking about? Well, no. So you see, I did, I did uh, uh, you know, say from within a Christian context, you know, the first day of the week, which is the day of the resurrection, became yep. the, the day of rest, right? Yes. Yep. Uh, so, and that's why the believers... Works work on on Saturday if you're talking about days yeah. as the day per se, um, but if somebody sets the principle in in motion to continue to observe intentionally the rest the Sabbath rest of God, so people are even sometimes people on Sunday you know uh, you know they don't even you know our Sunday is what you know people go to church for a couple of hours if you're at our church but 
We're doing church all day, Samuel. You yeah. and I. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, you and I, yes, yes, doing, yes, doing church all you day. You and I. Yeah. But, you know, but all the other people who come to church, actually, they do a couple of hours. That's what they get, right? Yes, that's true. Uh, so it's not as though you sit and ponder on Scripture and spend time with your family uh, in in a matter of understanding Scripture. Like when you go to synagogues, you you know, the Jewish synagogue takes quite a big chunk of the day. Mm. So uh, I'm just simply saying that let's incorporate the principle of sabbatical in your business practice. Be intentional about it. Take a day rest. Yeah. From your work. Mm. Enjoy your creativity. Be free from being a slave of working and working, being a workaholic. And, you know, and it, it will be looking after your welfare, the welfare of your people that are working for you. Could you imagine a business that said to its, its employees, hey, apart from Sunday, you know, there's a day when we all have a day off. Think about that. Mm. Or these people get a day off in the middle of the week and you, you sort of layer it out. I think that it will, it will make your workers basically give the best of their work, uh, of their creativity and their, um, uh, their energy. To produce far far better result. Mm. So All right. I'm just yeah saying yeah. the law of Sabbath really matter. The law of the Sabbath really matters. Well, I mean, it's been a very interesting uh, few weeks that we've been looking at this particular subject, and it's so much bigger than uh, mm. than what you might say you might see as you just read the plain text. Um, yeah. When you dig a little deeper and you see what other references there are in the Bible, the Sabbath is mm. a big issue. And as you say, it's very important to God. All right. right. Well, right. we're going to continue on with uh, the Ten Commandments as we go into the next one. And this one's mm. interesting because it's about honouring your father and your mother. Your father and mother, that's I right. I know. So I'm very, uh, I'm very excited about you tackling that particular one. All right. Well, thank you again, Samuel, for your time today. Um, no worries. As, I, as we say each week, there is, um, uh, you can go back to listen to the, this on the podcast section of the uh, 105.1 Life FM website, and mm. uh, and you can have a listen to it again. But in the meantime, be blessed, and uh, we'll catch you all again next week. See you, Samuel. Uh, see you, Alida. Bye-bye.